Can we just offer up a round of applause for the teens? I know that some of them really probably were not looking forward to getting up here um, this morning, but uh, you guys were a huge blessing, so thank you. Um, I do have to say that uh, I've, I've worn this a couple times, and um, it's, it's pretty intimidating when you're down there singing, um, because if, if a button got pushed, it would change the whole tempo of the uh, worship service. And then I see Pastor Dan sitting back there in front of the control board. I'm like, this is, this is a setup. I, I feel like it's a total setup. <laughs> and he just walked. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Um, if you would turn with me to our text this morning, Luke chapter 10. And we'll be in verses 21. And we'll be going through 24. Luke chapter 10, verse 21 through 24. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I I thank you for this time that we have this morning to freely open up your word. And and to look at this, um, what I'm calling a, a worship service between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Father, I want to lift up to you in prayer this morning our brothers and sisters in Canada that Pastor Andy just spoke of. To, to actually picture a, a fence, a secured fence with armed guard around a church, um, it, it's almost too much to try to comprehend. So we lift up our brothers and sisters there in Canada today. As Pastor Andy said, it's not a building, um, but, but from a fleshly, earthly perspective, that, that's hard. Um, um, to, to, to really take into account what we were just able to do here and, and to offer up our voices and praise together in one room and, and streaming over the internet and our brothers and sisters um, in, in the live stream area here in, in this building. Um, it's, it's, it's such a privilege that you give us to gather together. Father, help us to, to never take that for granted. But Father, more importantly, help us to, to um, dive into your word day in and day out. So we rest our hopes and, and our joy and, and everything that we are in, in the heavenly truths that you reveal to us in your word. So Father, again, I, I, I just lift up um, this morning to you. I pray that, that you are honored and glorified and we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I I came across an article that I thought was interesting. Um, In 1938, during the Great Depression, 
Harvard scientists got together and they started this study that is actually still ongoing about what is happiness, what, what, uh, what is the true meaning of happiness um, you know, in our lives. And um, th this study was, was pretty well known. Like I said, it's still ongoing. It had John F. Kennedy was enrolled in the study as, as one of the members. Um, and now they have enrolled offspring into the study, and this thing is continuing to go on. And according to um, the, the uh, lead scientist um, in this study, he talked about the fact that the study revealed that close relationships, and I thought this was funny, more than money or fame, are what keep people happy throughout their lives. And he, he's quoted as saying, quote, the surprising finding is that our relationships and how happy we are in our relationships has a powerful influence on our health. Taking care of your body is important, but uh, tending to your relationships is a form of self-care too. That, I think, is the revelation. And I'm so glad that we have a different revelation. We have a heavenly revelation because from my perspective, if you look at this, if you, if you look at, at what they're finding is that close relationships is the key. I thought it was interesting, more than money or fame. What's going to happen if your relationships change? I know some of you here today have been divorced. Um, you are not, you, you have um, family um, um, arguments and, and your, your children may have, have left you or your parents or something like that. So if this is the truth, then we're in trouble because it all rests with us. But we do have truths that are from the creator himself. And this morning, that's what I want us to, to really focus on in this passage of scripture. These truths do not depend on our ability to maintain happy relationships. And, and I'm so thankful for that, and I hope you are too. So there's, there's three truths that I want us to see this morning. Truth number one is we can rejoice in all things because God is sovereign. Number two, we can rejoice in all things because our Savior Jesus is king. And number three, we can rejoice in all things because we are blessed. And as we go through this, um, maybe you are one of those that kind of learn or comprehend things better if you, if you have a picture in your mind. So I want you to kind of picture building a, a house. Okay, you start with the foundation, right? You, you, you dig the foundation, you build up the foundation, and then you build the upper levels, the living areas of the home. And then the last thing is that you put all of the decoration, however you want it, the, the living area, your furniture, and, and paint the walls and, and things like that. And, and that's, the, um, that's the order in which I kind of want us to see this this morning. And we're going to start with the true foundation. And the true foundation is God is sovereign. And that, that word sovereign, the definition of that word, is supreme authority. God has supreme authority over all creation. So real quickly, before we dive in deeper, I just want to, because we've spent a week off, I just want to remind us of what is occurring here because we read in that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced. Well, why was he rejoicing? 
If you jump back up to verse 17, if you recall, Jesus had sent out the 72. And they were sent out to spread um, the word about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And they returned to Jesus and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. But then he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so we see in verse 21, the verse starts out in that same hour. Now, depending on your translation, it may actually also, or it may say at that time. And that also mirrors the parallel passages over in Matthew eleven twenty-five. So at that time, so they are all gathering around Jesus. The 72 are gathering around Jesus and they are so excited about everything that they have seen. And Jesus turns at that moment and turns his attention to the Father. And he's rejoicing. And, and this idea of rejoicing for Jesus, I don't want us to just skip over this real quick. I, I want to stop here and camp here for just one moment. The idea that Jesus is rejoicing is unusual. This is the only time in the New Testament where we have it documented that Jesus rejoiced. And, and as we know the, the ministry, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, that probably, if you were asked to give words, you know, throw up words on a, on a board or something about his ministry, I don't know that we would readily pick joy or rejoicing. And the prophet Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53 and verse 4, Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So we have Jesus at this time being full of joy. And, and in the original language, this rejoicing, it, it, it can be translated exalt or be full of joy, to be content. This is not just, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm going to pray. No, he is overwhelmed with the Spirit. He is overwhelmed with joy. And again, picture in your mind, maybe we send the teens out into, um, out into the community here in Johnstown, 72 along with people, you know, 72 people in the church, and they come back. And they're excited because of whatever work that they did. It was fruitful, and, and, and maybe they shared the gospel and things like that. Would we readily just immediately turn to God like Jesus does here? It really does kind of give us a, a, um, a plan on how we should approach things. I can, I can see us standing around saying, hey, we organized that pretty well. That, that worked pretty well. We're, we're good at that. We need to remember how we did this so we can do it again next time. But no, Jesus turns, and remember, they're talking about there, there was authority over demons in your name, and Christ turns to, to, to God. And there's a couple reasons why Jesus is re rejoicing. Again, first, he's received this report from the 72, and they're bringing this report to him with joy, it tells us up in verse 17. And they're exclaiming, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But God or Jesus 
goes to God and he offers up praise. He redirects them to heavenly things. And he talks to them about the, the fact that um, he saw um, Satan thrown down. But then he, he reminds them that, um, that their names are written in heaven. That's what they should be finding joy in. That's where they should be finding true joy. And he turns to, to God and he offers up this prayer in, in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. He's acknowledging his sovereignty that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and, re and revealed them to little children. So Jesus is um, uh, excited. He has joy that his father, the one who is Lord over heaven and earth, has gracious, graciously revealed himself not to the wise, but to little children, or in the original language, infants, not the wise. And, and how can this be? This is countercultural, right? I mean, everything that we do is how much we know and our education and, and things like this. But how can this be that God would cho choose the lowly? And I don't know about you, I'm very glad that he chose the lowly. He chose those that, that weren't necessarily full of earthly wisdom. Now, at this time, Jesus is talking about somebody. It, it applies to us, of course. But he's talking about the Jewish leader, the wise. They were the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the other religious zealots. They walked around so proud of themselves and how much they knew the law. And that's where they found their confidence. Their own earthly wisdom, the, the, the laws, all of their good deeds, how they would fast in front of everybody. And Jesus is joyfully going back to the Father and saying, thank you for not revealing yourself to them. Because what would happen, we all know this in our hearts, what would happen if God would have re revealed all of this to the wise? Would they have offered any praise back up to God? No, it just would have inflated their egos more and more and more and more. And the Apostle Paul, if you'll turn with me in, in, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells us why God chooses not to reveal these things to the wise. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul says to the Corinthians, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast 
in the Lord. This wisdom that we should be seeking is not an earthly wisdom. We're told right here, Jesus Christ became wisdom for us. Our, our degrees are not what we should be relying on. Our jobs are not what we should be relying on. Everything should point back to Christ. And we even see a little bit further on um, uh, forward in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 18 through 23. Paul continues, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. And the same biblical truth applies today. It's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to know God using our earthly wisdom. And I think this, this makes sense to us if we just look at it from a practical standpoint of, of knowing somebody. And, and I heard this great analogy about um, somebody scores a 36 on an ACT. Does that help them know any certain person anymore? Somebody walks in here today and scores a 36 on the ACT. If you don't know, that's the highest score. That's, I read that. I never... That's not my score. I read it in a book. Um, but can you look at somebody from a distance? Can, can somebody just walk in here and, and see somebody and know them? How do you truly know somebody? It has to be revealed to them. For someone to know you, you have to reveal yourself to them. You have to spend time with them. They need to tell you what they like and dislike. Why do they do the things that they do? So when you look at it from just an earthly perspective, it, it, it makes sense. We can see why God, the awesome God, the creator God, must reveal or unveil himself to us. He must take off that veil that, that shrouds our hearts and that shrouds him so that we can begin to know him. It's his doing, not ours. That, that's one of the big takeaways here. It's his doing. We don't do it. We don't come to him through memorization of scripture or coming to church every Sunday. We don't do it. God does it. God is sovereign and God reveals himself to us. But also there's a biblical reason that we cannot reach God through our flesh, through anything on this earth. And that's because earthly wisdom can't deal with sin. Our sin separates us from our creator, from, the, from Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, and that was passed down through generations, we were separated, and we can't find him. Now, you can know something of him. You can read the Bible. You can come and hear Pastor Dan preach, Pastor Andy preach. You can know about him, but you truly can't have him unveiled to you. He will not be unveiled to you. You will not understand fully. You will not have a saving knowledge of God unless he reveals himself to us. The only way you can come to God is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I'll say it again, by grace alone, 
through faith alone, in Christ alone. So many of, so may, um, many of you may be burdened about your wisdom. My brothers and sisters over here, they're approaching college, wanting to go to the, to the best college. What are they going to major in? What is going to be their career? And not that any of that is bad. But before they go there, before we go there, we have to understand this truth. Our earthly wisdom will do absolutely nothing for us. And then we go on to see this truth about, but he does reveal himself to helpless babies, to infants, to small children. And some of you maybe even may bristle at that a little bit. What's this all about? I'm smarter than a baby. Well, as we just saw, that, that's futile. That's folly. It's those who have the heavenly wisdom of little children or infants. They've not been defiled by temporal wisdom, by the wisdom of, of this earth. Because I don't know if you've, if you've noticed the past year or so, I'm not sure that that wisdom has accounted for, for a lot. Because all you need to do is just wake from week to week to week, and the really smart people that know everything change on a dime. So that earthly wisdom, I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm not very confident in it. And, and if we think about babies, those especially of you who have little babies right now, think about how babies or, or little toddlers, little kids, do they come to you when they're hungry and want to discuss with you the budget, your, your food budget? Like, boy, I really want to talk about, are we going to be able to afford food? Or, or, or are they even concerned that they come and their clothes are too small? Um, I mean, you're lucky that they're clothed. How do they come to you? They, they come to you helpless. Especially, again, those who have been blessed with little babies. They lay in your arms, and they are totally dependent on you. They're dependent on you for food. They're dependent on you for safety, for clothing, everything. There's nothing that they can do for themselves. And that's the picture that we have here. That God reveals himself to those who come to him empty. They come to him that w without anything, helpless. They realize that they are totally helpless to do anything for themselves when it comes to the things of heaven and the things of God. So I'd love to spend some more time here, but we need to move on. So we have the foundation. We have the foundation. God is sovereign over all things. He is all, has all authority over all things. He has chosen who to reveal himself to and who not to reveal himself to. And he's loving, lovingly done so. Let's work, on the, let's work on the rest of the living structure. We have the foundation. The second truth that is because, that because our Savior Jesus is king, we can rejoice in all things. Our Savior Jesus Christ is king. And if we look back to verse 22, that verse starts out, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Now let's stop here. All things. Some of you may be wondering, well, what does that really mean? It means all things. God, who is sovereign, has given the Son all things. There's nothing that is not included. Absolutely nothing. 
He's been given authority over heaven. He's been given authority over hell, Satan, the universe, all creation. He commands my life. Hopefully he commands your life, your health, your occupation, who your spouse will be, where you will go to college, our children, our death, and most importantly, our salvation. Scripture said that Jesus has had and has the authority to lay his life down and then to pick it back up again. There's nothing outside his complete control. Nothing. Romans 11.36 says, From him and through him and to him are all things. There is nothing that doesn't come through the hands of God, the hands of Christ. There's nothing that happens to you that has not gone through the throne, the throne room of heaven, that has not gone through Christ before it reached you. And you see the majesty, the perfection, the wonder of the gospel. This is the gospel. God, the sovereign creator, creates the world. He carefully knits each one of us together in our mother's womb. He then reveals himself through his word, through the Holy Spirit, and because the first humans messed it up, they were given everything, just don't eat of this tree. And what did they do? Their earthly wisdom, right? Satan says, did he actually say you will die? You won't die. He just doesn't want you to have the same wisdom that he does. And because they sinned against God's command. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's a pretty simple command, right? You've got all of this stuff. Just don't eat of that tree. Whatever you do, you can have anything you want. Just don't eat from that tree. And as typical humans, they ate of the tree. That, that's where they went to that tree. So because it was messed up, Christ dies in our place. His blood washes away our sin. He ascends to sit at the right hand of God. And where is he now? He's at the right hand of God. He's reigning over all things. And he is continually interceding for you. So God is sovereign. He has authority over all things. He goes to his son. He gives him authority he gives him the authority over all things and so his son the one that came and died for you and me is now sitting at the right hand of god interceding for you non-stop if you are a child of god he is he is interceding for you he's reminding god do you remember i paid the price for aaron jennings sin there's nothing that i do that he is not interceding and we could probably stop right there. But we go on in this verse, in verse 22. And Jesus says, And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The Father and the Son are in perfect harmony. They know each other. There's this web that can't be broken. And it's, it's like it just keeps adding. 
that this assurance just keeps adding. It, it's, it's beautiful that all of this just keeps adding up. It's an unbreakable bond between our Savior and, our, and his Father, God, the creator of the universe. And this amplifies, to me at least, amplifies the cross. They are in such perfect harmony that out of their love, Jesus comes, is born in a trough, in, in, in a barn, looking up at the world, to save us from ourselves. And he was a man of sorrows. We saw that earlier. This is not, he doesn't come in to, to grand entry in and, and all of this praise. I mean, even when he entered Jerusalem, we heard last week, how did he enter? On a donkey. Because it's not, it, it's not about him. He, he is doing the work of his father and he's dying on the cross. How in the world can we not have joy in all things when we look at it this way? When we look at the truth in Scripture. That's why it's so important. And I'm right there with you. Life gets in the way and it's so easy to say, Ah, you know what? I'll, 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 I'll read my Bible tonight. Ah, you know what? I missed it. I'll do it tomorrow. Or even, I think sometimes worse, we're screaming through the Bible plans. So that way we get the little checks. You guys have the little checks in your app and you feel good about yourself after you have like your whole day complete. But this is the stuff that we have to stay focused on because we lose track. I lose track. The things of this world continue to just, just wash over us. And we need to be bathed in the word. And this brings us to our third truth. So we have the foundation. We have the structure. And again, we could spend so much more time. This, this passage here has been said that it could lost, uh, launch a thousand sermons. Because there's so much deep truth here. So we move on to the third truth. We have the foundation. We have the living structure. The rooms are all built. Everything's drywalled. Everything's ready to go. Now it's time to come in and make it ready for us to live in. And what is that truth? It's, because, it's that we can rejoice in all things because we are blessed. In verse 23, we read that after this praise, and, 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 and I see this as it, it's a praise and worship time for the, the triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are worshiping one another. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is going to God, and they're worshiping. And Jesus then turns and speaks privately. Don't miss that. He speaks privately to those that are there. We're assuming it's the disciples in the 72. And why is it privately? Because this blessing only applies to gen genuine followers. Only those that have come to God as an infant with nothing and accepted this truth. And, Je and Jesus turns to them. Privately and says, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus was finding joy. He was rejoicing in their joy. 
He offers up thanks to the Father, and then he comes back, and he is rejoicing in their joy. Remember, they come back to him in joy, and they have seen amazing things. They have gone out in the name of Christ, and they have commanded demons to come out of people in Christ's name. You don't see that every day. And all 72 of them, we have no, nothing in here that says that th many things went wrong. Now, we can assume that they did. But they're coming back, and they are rejoicing, and Jesus is rejoicing with them. And so Jesus turns to them and says, you are blessed. And why? Why, why are they blessed? Because they've seen the power of the gospel. They've seen the subsequent power over Satan and his demons. But more importantly, all of this points to the revealing of the Messiah that has come. Jesus Christ is the Messiah that they've heard about in the Old Testament. Remember, at this time, they don't have the New Testament. They have the Old Testament. God's salvation has been revealed. The kingdom of God that had been promised since Genesis has been offered. All the ancient Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in the one that was standing in front of them. Standing right in front of them was the fulfillment of all of these things. Satan had met his conqueror. The death and burial and resurrection would defeat Satan. Eternal life would be granted to all that simply believe. So do you see that these blessings that Jesus is talking about, I want us to see that this didn't only apply to them. It applies to you and me this morning. These blessings, if you have accepted the Savior Jesus Christ and what he did for you, it applies to you. And how do I know that? Because he didn't say here, it's not recorded here that he said, blessed are your eyes. Right? Because if we were talking, if you think about it, if we were talking, we would acknowledge the people that are in front of us. But no, Jesus says, blessed are the, are the eyes. It points to, to future sinners who see these blessings, who see all all of this revealed and hear the truth of God and the truth of what Jesus did for us. In the parallel passage over in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28, and we are all very, very familiar with this, but it's all at the same time. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I ask, are you weary and heavy laden this morning? Do you need rest in your soul? Are you struggling with the things of this world? Are you struggling with wisdom? Maybe you feel inadequate. That's okay because you're blessed. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, most of us are familiar. I'm, I, want to, I want us to focus on these. You are blessed. In Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12, Jesus tells, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you poor in spirit this morning? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So if, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, these blessings that Jesus talked about, these blessings that we just read about the Sermon on the Mount, they're the interior decorations of your house, of the structure that you live in every day. These are what we should be focusing on. These are the things that will bring us joy. Do you need to, brother, sister, do you need to refocus on the source of your joy? We oftentimes do. Have you been distracted by the world's idea of joy and happiness? Then I urge you to go back to the cross. Go back to these truths. Empty your hands. The old hymn, Rock of Ages. I love it because in that hymn, it says, Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy, thy law's commands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look for thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. So I pray that if you're here this morning and you have not accepted Christ, this is your song. I pray that you will come to the cross and that you will lay all of your sin before Christ who has died for you. And what's, what's holding you back? I don't know about you, but, but every time that you turn to, it seems like, every time you turn to something in this life, whether it's knowledge or something like that, how's that working out for you? I can, I can tell you that I don't think it ever works very well or like we plan. Maybe you think that your sin is too awful. Maybe you think whatever you've done, Christ, he can't cover it. His blood can't cover it. Do I need to remind you that God is sovereign? Do you think God doesn't know your sin already? 
Of course he knows your sin because before the beginning of the time, he set all this into motion and he didn't just wind a clock and set it aside and he's sitting back. Man, I hope Aaron Jennings accepts me. Man, this will all work out great if it works the way I planned. No, he is intricately involved. He sends his son to die for us. All things are from him and through him and to him. So he knows your sin already. Maybe you think, you know what, I need to come to, to, to church a little bit more. I need to hear a little bit more of Pastor Dan and Pastor Andy's preaching. Maybe, maybe once I understand a little bit more and I will know how to pray. Right? That's the big fear. You can't pray until you can say all of the these and the thous. That's earthly wisdom. That will do nothing for you. Just come to him like a small child, like an infant. Empty your hands like I said before. Bring nothing with you. Lay your sin down. He's already done the work. And then you will share in these blessings that we, have just, that we have just seen here today. And I urge you, if you have questions, it's okay. I have questions every day. Please come see Pastor Dan, see Pastor Andy. Stop me. Please don't leave here today until you come to the cross empty-handed and accept that free gift. I want to turn to one last piece of scripture before we close. These are some encouraging words in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I think it's really something great that we can take with us. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 and I'm going to read through 25. Therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call Listen, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. And then we skip on down just a little bit. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Join me in prayer.
Heavenly Father, as, as we consider the, these truths that we've seen this morning, they're so contrary. There's such a dichotomy between those truths and the fleshly world that we live in, this, this temporal world. Seems like everything is about the wise and, and everybody and, and, and everybody's striving to be smarter than everybody else and more gifted than everybody else. But as we just read here, that, that will pass away. The flesh will pass away and we will still be dealing with eternity. Help us to store our treasures in heaven. Help us to come to you and be washed by the cleansing blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we've already been beneath that flood, I pray that we will not forget it, that we will always come back to Calvary, that we will always come back to your word, to these truths, to the sovereignty of God, knowing that he has figured it all out. He is ruling and reigning today. There is nothing that we do there's nothing that we say, there's nothing that we feel that you don't already know. And so, Father, we thank you so much that we can rest in this and that we can find our true joy in this. No matter what happens today, tomorrow, a year from now, no matter if there's another pandemic, no matter who holds public office, no matter if we lose our job, you are sovereign over all things. And Christ now is interceding for us, and he is preparing a place for us. Because when we face eternity, you tell us in your word that this life will be but a twinkling of an eye. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you lay out these truths for us. And again, I just want to lift up to you our brothers and sisters in Canada and other parts of the world that are currently being persecuted to gather together, to have a Bible, to spread the gospel. Please empower them, strengthen them. And we pray that your word is spread throughout all the world. Thank you, Father, for this morning. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. And we ask all this, and we thank you for all this, in the Lord, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.